again, everybody, and welcome to the two-man game here on Klabes Online. I'm Bob Ramsey. That is Matt Rocchio. And um, we're swinging heavy NBA rock as we get into the final four days of the regular season. A lot to talk about. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Rammer. Yeah, I mean, when we talk on Tuesday, it'll be uh, it'll be playing tournament time. So, you know, this is the last last show, if you will, of the regular season in the NBA. You know, almost essentially all 16 uh, playoff teams are set, but there's still a little jockeying for seeding. We'll get into a little bit of that because yeah. there really are some, some interesting matchup implications <laughs> that could change here between now and uh, Monday night. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are a couple of things that you noticed on the college side that you wanted to get to today, as everyone knows, you know, with the season over, um, the uh, uh, the transfer portal is wide open. They've taken off all the doors and windows, and this thing is wide open. It is, um, uh, it is a portal that I don't know if it'll exceed last year's numbers, but um, there are well over 1,000 kids in the portal, and I think it's growing every day. Yeah, and the big thing that changed, we, t- we we alluded to it on Tuesday's show, which was that Connor Turnbull had uh, decommitted and reopened his recruitment, and 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 slew we 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 knew right from the get go was going to be you know in on him, and then we had reports today. Carter Chapley, who obviously does a great job, he's you know working with the Post Dispatch now doing uh, Cardinals, but obviously scoops with Danny Mac covering the Billiken a really good job this season. He confirmed that the entire Blues staff was essentially yes. in. Or excuse me, Billiken's staff was was in on Turnbull essentially since Tuesday night. He, he tweeted out saying, "I can confirm this. I was made aware quickly after this decommitment to Butler that Turnbull had become priority number one for the Billiken staff. They have a relationship prior to this when they pursued him before committing to Butler. And then he made a, and then he, I thought a great reference. He said, as Ford Stewart would say, you never stop recruiting. So never stop recruiting. It's, never it's stop recruiting. True, truer now than ever. Um, a little more background: Turnbull out of St. Charles County." Um, and uh, uh, the Billikens recruited him previously. He chose to go to Butler. Um, now that uh, they've changed coaches, Estad Mata will go in there. He just reopened things, which is a smart thing for kids to do. And um, uh, uh, 6'8", athletic, uh, power forward who can shoot a little bit. Um, the Billikens have a back-to-the-basket center in Francis Okoro, but of a kid who can play the four and the five – and is athletic and has a jump shot and is a hard worker, you expect the uh, elements of the offense to grow. And and being a local kid to St. Louis U, um, you know, it, it's the obvious focal point for what they're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, when you describe Turnbull, it's, it's exactly, you know, one of the three positions that we've talked about that they need to augment that would be you know that would make that 20 you know that 2022-2023 run we're already talking about starting next fall you know almost a perfect blueprint it is that 6-8 stretch four you know who can who can handle the bigger guys but can also you know then make them pay on the other end and it, it, for me it's just having that kind of player when you look at the current system they have or the current system they just ran when the whole season they're playing with a 6-4 power forward. So, I mean, if you can have that exact same kind of style of play, which is a guy who can run the rim and shoot threes like a TJ Hargrove or uh, not necessarily those two things, but a little bit different style in Fred Thatch who can defend right. more. If you can just augment that with a guy who's got the size, 
It's just, I mean, we're playing with house money at that point. So, I mean, I, I, I obviously love the move. I think it's smart by St. Louis. They got the spots, and like we said, depending on how they augment those those open spots and how they attack those, it, it could change a lot of our opinion of them, and already they're doing exactly what you want them to do. Well, unofficially, I count two, four, six, eight, nine players currently on the roster for next year. And um, if he is – and I'm, I'm a terrible scout, by the way. I don't pretend to be a scout. I pretend to be a baseball manager and a comedian. <laughs> I identify that, so you have to accept those. And a movie but critic. I, and a movie I critic. admit I'm not a scout. Um, but if if my understanding of, of, of this young man's strength, Mr. Turnbull, that he um, is a four, not a five, you st- I still think with three remaining scholarships, assuming Turnbull takes one, that you would still want another backup five-man. So let's see how that goes. And still a backup point guard. And then you'd still have one more available. So there's plenty of maneuverability for the Billikens. Now, and that doesn't include um, the, the, the weird space that Jordan Nesbitt has put himself in sort of a limbo situation I haven't seen the documentation, but I heard that he pulled himself back out of the NBA deal, but it hasn't gone into the portal. But so where is he? Does he take one of those spots and remain at St. Louis U? And then um, Yuri Collins did enter the NBA evaluation process. So that'll be interesting. And I think that when you're at his level, the uh, I think and with two years remaining, I think it's a great time to see where you stand with the NBA. So I think that's a positive thing. Um, do you still need a backup point guard? Still need a backup center? Um, is Nesbitt coming back? I think there's a lot of moving parts still, but that maneuverability can be good depending on uh, on who you're on whom you're in uh, regard to transfer portal and recruiting, and the thought that there still may be a, a European big out there, the Billikens are in on. So there's a lot of the, as I said, a lot of moving parts. Yeah. And on, on, on Yuri it's, and, and Nesbitt, it's kind of crazy that the announcement that seemed more finite, you know, he's gone in, in, in Nesbitt, we have no idea where that's at. And then the more kind of, you know, or the more wishy, you know, and now the more consistent, you know, yeah, I'll just see what's out there. We, we got all the information. I'm pretty confident that Yuri's, you know, using this to his advantage to just find out where his game is at in the eyes of NBA scouts, which is how you should use this opportunity. It's how yeah. players have before. It's the smart way to do it. You get Kevin Martin, who's an approved NCAA, uh, an, an approved agent by the NCAA, which means he obviously he retains his eligibility so he can come back. He most likely will, but again, Kofi Coburn did this last year up in Illinois and he's yeah. talked and he talked multiple times this season about getting the feedback from NBA scouts saying, listen, this is where the game's at now in the NBA. This is how we're going to look at you next year in the draft. We're not going to draft you in the first two rounds because of these things. If you can work on it, that'll change. I think Yuri will get a slightly better prognosis from the NBA, and I'm sure a lot of it will come down to his shooting. But I mean, use the system in front of you. Play the game. So I, I think Yuri will, will come back just because I think the NBA will give him a lot of points on what to do and how he can get better and how he could, you know, jump up to potentially a, a, a you know, an early second round kind of player. But 
it, it's just it's crazy how we have now no idea about what's going on with Jordan Nesbitt. Like you said, did he pull it back? What's his move going to be? Is it going to be the transfer portal? Uh, that's a it, it's kind of crazy that we don't know anything about that right now. But obviously, you know, good for Yuri, and some things are up in the air. But it's all you know. I think it's going to go better or for worse. You know, better for the St. Louis Billikens. And you don't blame Slu for not just every day updating everybody on things because how dare they? You know, you're they, they um, you got you got to manipulate these things and figure out what's best and who's best and you know fill needs and try and recruit over what you have. Um, we've already seen we've seen it up close and personal with St. Louis U, but I think we're going to see it all over the country. The bottom of the rosters are going to churn. Because we're at a point if at we are at a point that if you think you can play, why stay in in your place and sit? I don't yep. want to sit. I don't want to be the eleventh or twelfth guy. I think I can play. I'm gonna go somewhere and play. It makes perfect sense. And it also makes it almost impossible to build a program. And, and again, so, you can't blame guys because no. the, the opportunities and the abilities to get noticed and go play basketball where you can make a career out of it. And hell, maybe you're living, you know, off the Amalfi Coast or something like that. Um, this, the opportunities are, are wider than they've ever been. And if you want to play basketball professionally, even just, you know, to get you through, you know, to your early 30s or something like that in, another, in a foreign country for a little bit before you, you know, come back and coach. A guy like Lawrence Bowers is kind of on that train. We've seen a lot of other play, players do that. Well... Getting on the court and getting tape, even at a Santa Clara, if you want to talk about, you know, uh, some Mizzou transfers or what have you, that's going to be better for your career in the long run. And so I, I, I'll never blame a, a player for doing that for the same reason why coaches, you know, would rather, you know, get a shot at some random school than, you know, than, than you know, kind of languish at, at one where they don't have any hope. You know, it's the exact same kind of mindset. There's no reason to criticize the players for it. So go Yuri, uh, Jordan, just let us know. You know, we're we're not mad at you. You know, you do do what you got to do, my man. But just I don't know. Let let us know. We got we got we got we're playing a math game here without with with variables. And I've never like I never liked letters in my math, Bob. I think things will be much clearer by Memorial Day and probably sooner. And I think it'll be really clear by the by Memorial Day. Absolutely, and a dangerous prediction, but I'm going to hold you to it. Okay, hold me to that. Um, NBA. Uh, couple teams still jockeying for position and um, the team that's up against it the most, I think to lose a spot are the Boston Celtics and they got, they're at Milwaukee and then they got to play at new Orleans on Sunday. That's a tough way to try and end the season and stay in second place. Um, they're having a good game uh, at Milwaukee though, down by three. Uh, but these are the kind of little battles that we have in the final four days of the regular season. Who the heck is that? Number 30 on Boston. Just hit a nice backdoor cut to tie it up at 88. Because um, I'm watching this game. Because it's been a fascinating game as uh, Giannis just dunked the living daylights out of the ball. So I was looking up the, the tiebreaker scenarios. Because right now as it stands, Boston is just a half game ahead of both the 76ers and the Bucks. And by the best I can ascertain, even if the Bucks were to win this game... I think the Celtics own the tiebreakers against both of them. Unless if, unless it's a three-way tie, then I think some stupid different tiebreaker jumps 
the like ranking and how and where it is shootout. in the tiebreaker. They have a shootout. Yeah, not even that. It's just some some like some like ninth stat down the line jumps to like the third stat, and that becomes the tiebreaker between the three teams. So it's kind of up in the air. In a one-on-one tiebreaker, if they both finish, let's say with fifty-one wins, um, the Celtics are going to take that from the Bucks and the 76ers. So so they have a better run right now, especially if they're able to close out against the Bucks. And even if they don't, that makes the head-to-head for the season two for two instead of uh, 3-1 in their favor. So it doesn't even break the tiebreaker against them. It moves it down to the next category, which they're beating the 76ers and the Bucks in as well. So... It could go against them, obviously, because there's, there's games in hand, and, and teams are, you know, teams could still get to 52. Uh, the Bucks and the 76 could get to 52 wins, and right now Boston could only get, you know, could get to 51 tonight, and then cap out there. The here's inter- the other thing: when you look at, if you would, strength of schedule, because we mentioned Boston's got it tough. Counting tonight's game, Philly has two more after tonight, so three counting tonight. Mm-hmm. They're winning at Toronto. I mean, it's. It's three points. It's still in the third quarter. Who It almost is meaningless at this point. But if they win there, then they host Indiana. Then they host Detroit. So Philadelphia could make the leap everyone had been kind of wondering about since they made the deal. And and, and the question there is, you know, is in the seeding, where, what does that matter? So right now, obviously, that two seed, you don't know 100% who you're playing. You're going to play one of – the uh, I guess the two seed you're playing the seven seed, so you're playing the Cavaliers or the Nets. I don't think I don't think the, Haw- the Hawks and the Hornets can only win the eighth spot. They can't move up to the seventh seed. Right. I right. believe is, ha- is is how the the plan works. If some if I'm wrong, I apologize. And so you're either playing the Cavaliers or the Nets. If the Nets are healthy. You don't want that seven that that seven seed, or so you know. And, and Miami is locked in on the one. They'll 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 trounce the Nets even if they have to play them. So you don't want that. You don't want maybe that two seed. Maybe you actually do kind of want to grab a reeling Bulls team that's um, all but locked in in the sixth seed. So maybe that third seed is actually the better spot because the Bulls are reeling. Lonzo Ball is not coming back. Right. Good um, point. And, and and their offense just hasn't been clicking. Demar Derozan's efficiency has 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 dropped where it was that kind of you know one month uh, or you know two or three month high where everyone was giving him MVP consideration. So this was one of those weird things where I honestly think we could see something happen, some weird chicanery on Sunday or Monday where the 76ers, the Bucks, and the Celtics are jockeying for the third spot. And for one of them, that means they're trying to jump. But for another one, that means they're trying to fall. Because I would much rather play the Bulls right now than any other team in the East. But here's the deal. Third might be better than two, but two is definitely better than four because four means you'll end up playing the Heat sooner than later. And if you're going to have to play the Heat, you want it to be later. Yeah, and and honestly, depending on who you are, those are all teams that I really wouldn't want to be playing the Raptors because they're going to give you a different – they're going to still give you a weird look with Pascal Siakam, OG Onanobi, um, Fred Van Vliet. They're going to give you uh, Scotty Barnes. Yeah. They're going to give you a different look than some of these other teams like the Bulls, the Cavaliers, the Nets. They're going to give you a much different look. And so, I mean, the Ra- there's a reason why the Raptors have jumped up solidly into that um, fifth seed this year. It's because Nick Nurse is a great coach and because those players have – at different times in the season, really stepped up. You know, at the beginning of the year was OG Onanobi. Uh, Pascal Siakam finally came back to his form, and now Scotty Barnes, late in his rookie year, has really taken over. And so you're right about that, though. 
Raptors aren't a good matchup in the first round, and then you're on the same side of the bracket as Miami Heat, you're right. Whoever is jockeying for that third spot, they're they're going to be pissed as hell if they end up fourth. And just going by strength of schedule and home road, it looks to me like Boston is staring straight at that four spot. Yeah, I mean, it, tonight will go a big way because, again, if they, if, yes. they, if they beat the Bucks tonight, that's win 51, and that pretty much seals all the tiebreakers for them Unless I'm reading, unless I'm reading it wrong, and so, and then, and then, if they do that, the Bucks, by the way, will be have to go two and zero in their last two games to get to fifty to get to uh, fifty one wins, and the 76ers would have three to get to fifty two. But the fact, the chance that they go three and zero, I haven't looked at their schedule, but they'd um, have to play great because yeah, as I said, you're talking about Boston. No, uh, the 76ers final said, schedule. Yeah, the, then they then they play two home games. Uh, Detroit and uh, whoever I said a moment ago. Yeah, so the 76ers could, you know, yeah, they could they could go three and three and zero. That's the that's the one. But again, if you're the 76ers, you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to take that two seat. I get. So go ahead I, and I lose guess. tonight to Toronto. Yeah, why not? Um, you know, uh, you know, hand hand one to the Pacers. They've had a rough year. Um, <laughs> so speaking of, speaking of some of this seating, uh, it's also it's not as interesting in the West because everything's a lot more stratified and broken down. The one thing that could change is the Timberwolves could jump above the Nuggets right now. They're two games behind, but they have three games to. Uh, they have two more games to play, so do the Nuggets. And if the Timberwolves go two and zero, the Nuggets go zero and two. They would own the tiebreaker for that seven six spot. So the Nuggets are going to have to get a win to avoid uh, the play in tournament. So that'll be interesting to see uh, if that can happen. Are they in play action tonight or tomorrow? So so Denver actually plays Memphis tonight. Um, that'll be a rough game for them. It's in Memphis or it's in yeah. Denver. So they'll have, uh, you know, they'll have the altitude and they play much better at home in their favor. Their last game of the season, if they don't win that one will be that Sunday night extravaganza where everyone's playing and they're playing the Lakers who are dead in the water. So the nuggets are going to get at least one win. So that kind of eliminates the possibility of that play in game coming into play for them. The big thing, obviously, when we're talking about seating, then is what happens in the play in and what seating are the Clippers? Because the Suns are too good, but man, the Grizzlies, the, that a young team, if Kawhi decides to play, right? God bless it. That I would hate it if if, if you're the Grizzlies and you catch Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That would just be hell on earth. And again, they had a, they had a win last night. Paul George played okay. Is it going to be enough to get Kawhi to come off the bench? I'm still not sure. But the fact that you know that that sort of Damocles is kind of above the rest of the NBA's <laughs> head right now just tells you just how good Kawhi still is and how he still strikes the fear in these teams. Now, see if Claves was sitting there, I could use the old Three Stooges, lady. You must be psychic. That's the ladies, never mind. Look up the Three Stooges. I I know um, the I actually do know that reference. You know the bit with the pie. I'm pretty, on the yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure because I've I'm a I'm a nerd who's used the sort of Damocles reference uh, in your presence before, and then you've responded with "Look this up," and I did um, because oh, that's right. We're we're original, and we have many references that we never recycle. Well, no, I've only got so many in the file. <laughs> I. I'm not digital, so I only have a, a file drawer in here, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. When it's filled, it's filled. Do you know? Do you know? How, do you know how little memory you can put on an eight-inch floppy? It's just—it's not a lot. <laughs> um, you know, in the it's back to the standings. Um, 
can Dallas leapfrog Golden State? And I think that 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 Golden State, what are they? Three and seven in their last ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've won a couple in a row, though. Uh, you know, this is a team though that just seems like they can't get healthy enough. And if they fall to four, you know, a couple of months ago we, we kept saying, you know, boy, you got them in Memphis and Phoenix. Can they give them a run? But they've they've just been a shell. Yeah, and San, San Antonio, uh, you know, they're they're fighting technically for the nine seed over the the Pelicans. So, and they they have they have the they're one of the last three games to the Warriors. The Pelicans are yeah. the last one. So the Warriors actually have a crappy schedule. The Warriors will get um they'll get win fifty one because they're playing the Lakers uh, later tonight. They'll get win fifty one, but. Will they get 52 to seal out the Mavericks? They go against San Antonio, and then they go against Pelicans. Those are both away games. Um, there's no way Clay's going to play in those games, I don't think, um, just because they they I, or he'll play lighter minutes, I think. And so, I mean, they're playing the they're playing the Mavericks either either way they go, really, or not not the Mavericks. Sorry, they're playing the Jazz pretty much either way. They you know, they guess like they could. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because then it's the Nuggets or the now and now that's that's a great question. I'm glad we're going to talk about this to close out the NBA segment in the podcast. Would you rather play the Jazz or the, or or the Nuggets if you're the Warriors? Because the Jazz again, they they haven't been looking good over the last their four and six in their last uh, ten games. The Nuggets at the same time they've been injured the entire year. Jokic in a seven game series, he could go nuclear atomic against you and. All of a sudden, that's a really tough series, mainly because you don't have a big who can match up with him at all when you talk about the Warriors. Um, so, and you've blown the, the doors off the Jazz before. So that's almost yeah. a, a weird thing where they could lose that three seed to the Mavericks, and I don't know how bothered they'd really be. Interesting. It is funny when you see them, when they look at the matchups and slipping a spot – I mean, because everybody always thinks, well, I got to gain if I can climb that ladder. But when you get in a tournament situation and you look at the bracket, um, the the three and the six are much better than the four and the five if you think you've got a chance to win it or at least get to your championship game. In this case, we're talking about championship of a conference. Yeah. So um, if I'm the Warriors, you you got to fight and claw, come to think of it, because – Again, that four that four seed, that's the sun side of the bracket. Right. That's so what that's I'm the, saying. That's the same thing. If you have that fire breathing one seed, you almost have to play it with that side. So you're right. I'd rather play the. I'd rather play a potential. You know, I'd rather take the chance that Jokic beats the crap out of me a, a couple times in Denver, but I I win the war of attrition than have to go against the Suns earlier in the playoffs. And speaking of the Jazz, this is when I want to close it out because we talked about that insane stat that kind of took over NBA uh, the NBA discussion. Um, Quinn Snyder. Later that evening, we talked about it, actually at the beginning of their press conference before their game, um, addressed that narrative and was not happy that it had taken over. And, and he was The narrative that you created? Yes, the narrative that I created, swept, yes. the, swept the nation that he's yes. going to take over the Lakers? Well, not that one. That one's, Oh, which the, narrative? The narrative that um, Donovan Mitchell only passing to Rudy Gobert two times oh. a game <laughs> – is, is, yeah. is like yeah is like this sign that they don't like each other very much or, did, or that what, it's pro- what did Quinn say about it oh he well he was he was blaming the media for creating a narrative and trying to and trying to pin two players against each other and things like that well, and that's the way we always did it at Duke 
<laughs> and, and my reaction to that is. Quinn, wait a minute. I got to explain. Sorry. 20-year-old Quinn Snyder reference when he first took over Missouri. So I apologize. All my stuff is old. That's the way we always did it at Duke. That's, God, that's a great, that that is an all-timer press conference quote. That's the way we always did it at Duke. Buddy, it's Columbia, Missouri. Not the same thing. No. Um, It clearly went, he's clearly landed on his feet. But, so he's not, he's not happy with that one. He also is pissed off about the, um, the narrative. He called it a narrative again. I think he called it a narrative that they, they don't, uh, they can't handle leads in the fourth quarter, which is okay. Both of the, and it's and I have so much respect for Quinn Snyder, and I understand why he'd want to get in front of the of the Mitchell and yeah. Gobert not liking each He's other side of coach. things. And he is. And and listen, I, I brought up the fact that there's there's stories about how they don't like each other. But the fact of the matter is, he cannot disagree with things, which is, it is a fact that he the it is a fact that his best playmaker and star player passes to a guy who plays 36 minutes a game two times a game, all right? That's just a fact. Oh, also, Mike Conley passes to him like 14 times a game. So that narrative that it's just like he's not any part of the offense, eh, I don't know how much weight that really carries when Mike Conley passes to him in the high teens. And the other one is they literally have the worst record about uh, the worst record for taking a lead into the fourth quarter of any winning team in the NBA. So it's it's like, yeah, I understand that you don't like the, the comments, but it's not a narrative when, some, when people People try to make a point using facts. That's just how you debate and, and talk about things logically in the world. And, and, and I guess that's not how they do it at Duke. Well, to borrow to, from a baseball quote from the great Jim, the late great Jim Bowden, tell your statistics to shut up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's what you went with. The the by day. the way, by the way, that night's game. Donovan Mitchell passed the ball to Rudy Gobert two times. <laughs> exactly two times. Oh, that's so good. That is really so good. That's all you can do. I mean, I, I, I you can't write it better than that. And again, and and, and that game specifically, because I don't, I don't know the whole season stats, but that game specifically, Mike Conley passed to him eighteen times. Wow. And if you watch the game, there was a couple times where like Rudy Gobert got a deep seal, and Mitchell just missed him. And I, again, I'm the first person who has criticized Donovan Mitchell for not being a good playmaker. But it's I'm sorry, I refuse. I'm I'm sorry, Quinn. Uh, I, there's a narrative. You blame me. For, blame me, number one. There's a narrative on this one. Sorry, buddy. Oh, that's funny. So um, when we get together again, we'll be previewing the actual playoffs and the first round, those play-in games. And you know, I think except for a couple of oddities. Like the Brooklyn Nets, the play-in is, you know, it's like an appetizer usually. But, you know, Brooklyn might be that appetizer that's so good that you order a larger size for your entree. And and that's good. That's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, if you think about it, right now in the play-in tournament, you could have a team with a future Hall of Famer, and a guy in a borderline future Hall of Famer come out of the come out of the playing tournament in the East in the Nets. You got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and then in the West we talked about it. You could have a Hall of Famer and a future borderline Hall of Famer and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George come out of the playing tournament in the West and just completely shake up everything we've just said because yeah. they've fallen they've fallen off. They've had injuries, but again, you get two stars like that and they get a roll on. No one can tell what happens across a seven game series. 
give me one more one more teaser about Kawhi Leonard. Is this you hoping because you like how it could mess everything up, or it, with your contacts in the NBA, are you thinking that that's something that could happen? I think I think it's a, it's it's a coin flip still because it, it's I mean I think he understands and this is a guy who's very conscious of his health. I think he he understands that you know there's a point where rest you know comes to a point where you got to then work up from the rest. And so where where is his fitness level at and is he ready to come cold off the bench and play? And again, does he see enough from this team to come off the bench? They have two more games left to show him if there's enough. So if, if Paul George continues to show that he can, you know, have 30-point games on 23 shots like he did the first game back, then, yeah, I, I, I'll put it on the other side of 50%. But if he has two more games where he scores, I think, 17 points on 14 shots, no, I think Kawhi is going to realize it's not worth, you know, juice isn't worth the squeeze on this one. All right. Very good. So we'll be previewing when we come back. Everybody have a great NBA weekend. Rock, great to see you. and we'll, uh, we'll talk uh, the first to next week. Talk to you later, Rammer. That's Matt Rocchio. I'm Bob Ramsey on the two-man game right here on Claves Online. St. Louis Acura is the only Acura dealer in the nation to win the Precision Team Award for 30 years. How do we do it? By making you, our customers, our number one priority. As others increase their fees and take advantage of limited inventory, we keep our prices low because we remain committed to becoming better than ever and treating you as we want to be treated. We want you coming back and sending your friends and family to a veteran-owned, family-based business you can trust. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you.